So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jake Swart, and today, y'all, I have a fellow physical therapist on the podcast with me. I'm super excited to talk with her. She's had quite the adventure within the world of physical therapy. She's gone from uh, being a patient herself to uh, starting her career at a very uh, very prestigious neurocenter called the Shepherd Center here in Atlanta to progressing into pelvic health. Um, she's seen a lot, done a lot. Uh, she's experienced a lot and I can't wait to have her on the podcast because, uh, she speaks a very similar language as I do in terms of how powerful words can be when it comes to interacting with your patients. So, uh, without further ado, Dr. Laura Glazebrook, thank you so much for getting on the podcast. So happy to speak with you today. Yeah, man, I'm super excited. So, um, Kind of give me a little bit of background about yourself. You know, like we were talking a little bit about the sh- uh, before we started recording. I thought you said something really interesting. Um, you know, uh, I don't want to give away too much of your story without you getting to explain it. But you, you, we were talking about your spinal fusion that you had at the age of 11 and how you really didn't have any pain. But people were saying a lot of things that permeated into how you felt in your body um, or how your body felt. Can you kind of explain to me just like, what you meant by that and how that kind of led you into physical therapy. Absolutely. So um, uh, like you said, I, I was diagnosed with scoliosis. I was pretty young um, at my diagnosis. So usually people are diagnosed in like teenage years uh, is usually when you'll see. Um, and I heard from my family that I actually had some signs of it when I was younger, but I wasn't formally, formally diagnosed until um, I was 11. And mine, by the time, so how it usually works with scoliosis is you have a, um, you have a follow-up within six months if they know you're growing. So at that follow-up, they take another x-ray, they see what's going on, and they determine that by the time I got that x-ray, that my scoliosis had gotten so big that there was no other option but surgery. Mm. Um, so as a frame of reference, like at these days, like scoliosis guidelines, anything above 46 degrees is surgical like normal spinal curvature is like less than 10, right? So normal like curves are zero. Um, So I had 57 degrees at 11. So yeah, it was an adventure. So um, they told me I had to have surgery. Uh, It was a posterior spinal fusion and I was fused for most of my working spine. So like T2 to L2. So most of my spine is fused. So I have a pretty long fusion. Um, For people that aren't fully aware of what that means, essentially, if you took an x-ray of her back, she would have like two long rods (laughs) going up her spine. It's pretty wild. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But so like fast forward, I mean, I recovered from that. And um, I, despite um, like after that first initial surgery, I had some pain, but I really didn't have physical pain for a long time. I was an athlete. I was a dancer. 
I did musical theater. I was very active throughout my life. Um, but the one thing that really stuck with me is just because of, you know, you have like your body looks a little different sometimes with scoliosis. I have a lot of what we call trunk rotation. So like one part of my back sticks out more than the other. Um, and so, you know, I mean, every, all kids go through a certain amount of people saying things that aren't helpful. Um, but (laughs) I, (laughs) um, everyone has their thing for me. It was scoliosis, um, clothes. I was a little bit self-conscious about how clothes fit. I, you know, people would say things kind of behind my back or to, you know, to my face. Um, I even had like in PT school, we had a posture lab where I volunteered and they kind of ripped me apart how I looked so different, you know, side to side. And then I had a fr- like thinking one of the that classmates. they're just being like smart or like you know like oh this is what I see I see this I see this you're like well hold on right. I'm still a person I can still hear what you're saying right right well actually that that part wasn't so bad it was afterwards um, one of my classmates he uh, he actually said to me you know your back is really messed up oof um, so yeah that like think about yeah. how that feels to hear um, so just you know a little bit of things like that throughout throughout my whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, so like fast forward, I, I never really had pain in my back, even though I have a very severe curve, whatever, I have a, a, a large fusion, I never had any issue. But that was something that I noticed that started to fuel how I thought about myself and how I talked to myself. Yeah. Um, and working with the population I do, you know, pelvic health, people with chronic pelvic pain, and now I work with people with scoliosis. You can just hear when how someone talks about themselves, you know, like the the words that they're using and how like the shame that they feel around things like it just it's a whole like that whole piece has always been um, kind of the biggest fascinating portion for me of like, okay, how can we fix this within within ourselves? Yeah. You know, Um, for sure. Well, you know, I think like, um, you know, it's interesting. This is something that we work on all the time over at athletes potential it's a it's a core value i mean it's very important how we interact with our patients we understand that language is very powerful you know um absolutely we and you know frustratingly by time people come and work with us uh because we're not very traditional like going and work with a pt uh especially not a network pt like that's not the tradition it's becoming more the traditional route which is amazing uh, but it's still not mainstream traditional, right? So um, by the time people have come to us, they've typically gone to a few different orthopedic surgeons. They've gone to a number of different PTs. They've gone to X amount of chiros. They've seen this many massage therapists. They've been around the block, right? And <laughs> yeah. they've uh, they've heard all the things. And it's so frustrating when somebody comes in and it's like, yep, Doc said it's the worst case of bone on bone he's ever seen, right? Or... <sighs> Um, yeah. my PT said I should never squat below parallel or, um, my chiropractor said that my spine's gonna, is, is out of alignment and, 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 uh, and falls out of alignment. If I do this, my <laughs> massage therapist says I should never do this thing again. Cause it ruins my tension in my muscles, right? Like all mm-hmm. these things, which, um, there's no need to really say these things. Like it's just rehearsed. It's not even rehearsed lines. It's just heard lines that we've heard over and over and over again. That we just repeat. It's like comfort food, right? It's like um, we hear things we're like, oh, "I'll just say this because I guess this is what we know." And versus being empowering for the patient, because like um, I know when I was when I was fourteen, you know, I think a lot of uh, I forget the stat. There's actually a study that looks at this. It's a high amount, but um, most healthcare providers are in the healthcare field because of their own experiences, right? So they've they've been on the other side of that. And I, I'll never forget my first surgery was when I was fourteen. 
um you know super active athlete um you know a three seasons three season sport kind of kid growing up um and busy i guy. just got huh that's a busy guy <laughs> well you know just like being a normal kid and like yeah. i had this or i i got this surgery which you know looking back on it, it was a meniscal tear it was an acute meniscal tear but i probably didn't need to get need to get the surgery based on what mm. the research shows now um but this doc looked me square in the face 14 year old kid busy you know active active kid at that saying yeah you'll never squat again and like i remember looking at him i was like what does that mean like i can't like sit down (laughs) yeah it was like was 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 a legitimate question and he was like no 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 like you'll never be able to get squat with weight it's terrible for your knees i kind of took that advice right like i was like oh i can't squat because it's bad for my knees i guess i'll just do other things i guess i'll lunge and i'm like and then i remember always saying like well what's the difference between this and that (laughs) on my knees kind of doing this anyway like that language is very detrimental to the wrong or to most people. And um, it's, it's really, it's really powerful. So what are some of the things that you hear? And I'll tell you what we um, we've recently hired up um, a couple of different public health therapists, and I'm so glad we have them on our team because it really does create this comprehensive plan of care that we're able to provide for our patients. And when I was learning more about pelvic health, physical therapy, I'll never forget when somebody was telling me how, um, it was actually at this like this like round table discussion I was at at this event. And uh, I was like, so what's like the crazy what's like the most common thing that you hear? That's the craziest thing in the world. And th- th- I'll never forget. They're like most women come to me and say that their doctors told them that uh, if they're stopping pain with intercourse, like they should just drink some wine and relax the next time they yeah. try. And I'm like, no way. There's no way that's really being told to people, is it? And they're like, all the time. Unfortunately, yes. That blows um, me away. And you're a mother of two as well. So like, yes. what are some of the things that you hear that are just so detrimental to, because like, I can only personally empathize and relate to um, the orthopedic side of things. My wife has gone through things being a ch- uh, being a mother and having a child um, that she could relate to and that I can speak of, but like, I can't personally relate to like, how insulting that would be if I went to a provider and they told me just to drink some wine and relax, I would probably not be very nice to that doctor at that point in time. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think there's such a, a, I don't know. I'll try to stay high level. I have a lot of my own um, like biases that I'll try to, to stay out of, but I feel like in general, in this country, the type of healthcare system we have, it tends to be very doctor centered like very physician centered and like they're the top of this pyramid and then everyone is supposed to filter down. And traditionally, you know, luckily as PTs, we are starting to break through that we can kind of separate ourselves a little bit. But in general, for the past however many years, it's been what the doctor says is like the, you know, the end of the line. Mm -hmm. And I think whether they mean to or not, I feel like Uh, because they're rushing or whatever, they can say things that, you know, either advertently or inadvertently can be very harmful to people. Um, Like the the pain with sex, that's a huge one. Um, Mm -hmm. I've also heard people, you know, doctors say, oh, well, it'll be better after you have a baby. Like, sure, sex is really painful, but, um, you know, have a baby and then it'll get better. Wow. And which, yeah, I don't even have, we don't have enough time for me to go into how how terribly wrong that is. Yeah. Um, Oh, my gosh. But so I didn't like, think about that, like the if there's pain with intercourse or pain with sex before having to like just wait. Till yes. you have, oh, my gosh. What a what it's, a yeah. Anyway. Yeah. These are it is 2023. And I, I you would be shocked how many people can are still hearing this. Yeah. Um, 
Another group of people that I work with a lot are like older people because I work with scoliosis and a lot of times people will go through their life and have no issues with scoliosis, but notice changes as they get older with bone density. So um, something I hear a lot and you probably hear too, like older athletes or people with osteopenia or osteoporosis, Mm -hmm. um, the language that I feel like some people are getting can be really harmful. Like I have a woman, she was in my clinic today. She's a super fantastic, like she's strong, she's great. Um, the language that she heard in reference to her bones, like one of the first phrases she told me is like, I feel like my bones are crumbling. Like mm -hmm. basically her doctors, or at least her perception of what her doctor said was her bones were so unstable that she could break them just stepping off of a sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And if you imagine, I mean, what we do is we try to, as physical therapists, we try to empower people to mm -hmm. be strong and be active because we know that you know, strength, resistance training, these things are helpful, like we need people to keep moving. And then you think about how far we have to climb, when someone's baseline is they are afraid to move because they're afraid that their bones will literally crumble. Oh you gosh, know, just yeah. as an example, like these are things that people are coming into our doors with, that it's like you have to unpack that before you can even get in to anything else. Well, and it's tough, right? Like, it's really tough to unhear things. Um, and I don't want to continuously take shots at physicians uh, or uh, because sure, it's all over the healthcare field. Um, it, there's a lot of because you can make a point. And I think this is and I think this is a huge swing from um, I don't know maybe like early 2010 up until like early 2010s medicine where it's like uh, the medical field as a whole just kind of treated the body as if it was fragile, right? Like um, right. it just kind of treated it as like man, you need my help. Uh, regardless if that's chiropractic saying like your neck is going to pop off if you don't see me. Right. Or if it's a physician saying like your, your bones are going to crumble if you don't, if you don't get this procedure done, if you don't, if you're like a PT saying like, oh, you like your, um, your ligaments are going to explode if right. you don't do this program with me. Right. Like, um, it's all over the place, uh, or even worse, actually, like your tendons aren't going to heal unless you do this ultrasound and heat pack with me. Like, um, it's, it's rampant and it's getting better, thankfully, because you do have healthcare providers like yourself and many of the physicians that we have an opportunity to work with and the badass team of providers that we have. And, uh, that I'm sure that you have as colleagues as well. Like, um, and quite frankly, it's getting better because patients are demanding that it must be better, right? Like, um, as they should. Yeah. 100% as they should. Mm -hmm. I think that people are getting fed up with this whole idea of, um, especially, so we'll, we'll use your example that you're talking about with, uh, um, with, a, with an older population. They're not like incapable, inca incapable or incapable of doing things just because they're old, right. Um, right. Or older in life, like, uh, still very capable. And a great example of this is I know plenty of trainers out there, two that I can think of in particular, and one I was just having a conversation about yesterday, who is running circles around uh, the mind, the common mind or thought process behind um, working with older adults. For example, uh, this there's a trainer that I know, he's an incredible human being, but he's found his niche or he's working on this niche of working with um, people with Parkinson's disease. And this dude's a this dude is a pro boxer, and he's taking them through boxing routines, and he's getting incredible results. Why? Because he's not treating them like they're fragile human beings. Is he to put them through the same workout that he's putting his twenty year old boxers through? Of course not. That's that's not that's not sport specific, or that's not age specific, or it's not functional for uh, it's not goal specific, right? 
but right. he's still pushing them and he's still making sure that they're having a fun time doing it. And the, his results are insane. And I would probably send um, Parkinson's disease patient to him over any PT or any other provider that I know, because he's actually going to take the time to actually work with them and not treat them like they're a fragile human being with, with their bones crumbling out from underneath them. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have a responsibility with, you know, if we're health, well, particularly if we're healthcare providers, totally. but any, I mean, interacting with anyone, it's like, we just need to be mindful of how, you know, what we're saying and how it can come across, especially when we're talking about somebody's body. Yep. Um, and well, I mean, I know sorry, that when I was, sorry, I, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I just, I know when I was earlier in my career and I didn't, I wasn't as mindful, I'm sure I said things that, that probably just came out wrong and probably did hurt some people. And they were just too sweet to say anything, you know, like we're, none of us are immune to it, but I feel like it's like, we have an opportunity. We can choose to educate and empower people. Um, or, you know, we can like, I don't know, or, or we cannot, yeah. <laughs> you know? it's like, yeah. we just have to be, we have to tr choose to build someone up. Yep, one hundred. You're so you're so correct by that, and you know it's really interesting too. This is a this is something that I continuously work on. Um, and this thought, and I'm gonna kind of butcher the whole like um, analogy of it, but uh, this comes from Brett Bartholomew. And if any of us are, if any of you who are listening are like a healthcare provider or in the health and fitness industry or just a leader in general, you should really check out what he does over at the Art of Coaching. Um, but he put out this really interesting graph. He's all about communication um, and leadership. Um, he put out this interesting graphic. It was something to the extent of um, what you think you said, um, what you thought they heard, and what they understood, or something along those lines, right? Yeah. Like, there's such a huge difference between what you're saying, what you think you're saying, or what you meant to say, what you actually said, what you thought they heard, and what they actually heard, and what they understood of what they heard, right? Like, there's so many layers behind it and just taking a complex yeah. thing like the human body and saying something very simple, like ah, you can never squat below parallel. What? Oh. Right. <laughs> like it's just, and you know, that's a very easy example to pick on, but we hear crazy things like that and all different types of things like, Oh, uh, running's bad for your knees care to explain, right? Like you should <laughs> never do CrossFit. Why? Uh, you, you shouldn't climb mountains really like to who? And I think like, it's, it's very easy to forget that movement is not just, it's not just for physical gains. It's for mental gains. It's for spiritual gains. It's for all of these different aspects that make you a whole human being and, and allow you to enjoy life. And if you're using language that doesn't allow people to, um, have the freedom to use their body and without being afraid of using their body, like you're robbing that person of their, of a portion of their identity and could have a much greater impact on their life than just not letting them squat below parallel. And I know that sounds dramatic, but unfortunately but it's not, it's true. <laughs> I know. Right. Like you and I have seen that time and time again on the, when you project that out. So take me at 14. Say I took that to heart and I'm like, oh man, can never squat again. And then like, I didn't think to like ask questions or I wasn't already active. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll lunge to sit down now. Right. Or uh -huh. uh, I'll do and like, or do all these other crazy things and then project that out by four decades. Right. Mm -hmm. What type of condition could I be in? What have I missed out on in life? Because I was afraid of moving my, I was afraid of squatting because this doctor who just operated on my knee, who had every right to be in my mind about that. Right. Like, mm -hmm. um, 
what if I, what, what did I miss out on now? What did I not participate in? What did I not achieve? Or what, you know, like all these things that could happen off of one simple saying or one simple sentence. So, um, I love this topic. You can tell, like, I get really passionate about this, and I <laughs> well, think there's a lot of layers yeah. to it. Yeah, um, there's one. So he's he's a physiotherapist. He's based in um, in Australia. He actually was in the Atlanta area in, in last October, and I had the privilege to be able to take his course. His name is Anthony Lowe. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, I know. I, um, I'm familiar with Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love, I took taking his course is what really kind of fired me up with all of this too, because he talks about like the scar principle mm -hmm. and how our words matter. So like leaving somebody with a positive scar. So for him, scar stands for strong, capable, adaptable, and resilient. Mm -hmm. And it's like coming from that perspective of, listen, your body has been doing a beautiful job managing like whatever your thing is, whether it's, you know, an ACL, like a really an old ACL injury or a leg length difference or scoliosis, like your body has been managing this thing beautifully for a really long time. And like, let's just start from there. And then we can build up like, let's see how we can make this like, let's see how we make this better. But like, not because what you're doing isn't good. Like, you know, we need to start from that baseline of like, you're autumn, like you're strong, you're stable. Like we just need to work on X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. but like coming from it from less of an, Oh, you know, be careful about that. Like, don't do that. You know, it's, it's just the less we move, the more at risk we are of other things, weakness, like talking about risk of falls when we get older, totally. you know, it's like a lot of us don't move our bodies enough. So sure. why, why add any more barriers to that? You know, man. I totally agree. I think that's a really interesting thing that you bring up. Like I, one, I love that scar principle. I think that's amazing. Um, and then it's all, and you know, cause you, you take, you take a, uh, put the whole, take a spin on it and say like, Oh, let's leave a positive scar. Cause a lot of times scars are used in a negative light, right? Like, Oh, I got this scar mm -hmm. on my face or I got this internal scar from a trauma or I've got like, uh, you know, a ton of, I've got this scar tissue that doesn't function as well as regular tissue. Like scars are typically viewed in a negative light. So I love that spin and making it, let's leave a positive scar. And here's what scar mm -hmm. means to us. Um, that's really cool. And then, you know, I think it's, so let me ask you this with pelvic health, because um, this is something that I've been just blown away at by the impact that can be made um, in this field. Um, when you're working with someone in, in that space, what are some of the, um, what are the, some of the common pitfalls that you see women fall into? Or what are some of the common things that you hear them come in with saying they're like, oh, I can't do this because this happens. Or I shouldn't do this because then that mm -hmm. happens. You're like, no, no, no. That may be common, but it's not normal. Like, here's what we need to work on instead. Right, right. Um, I think one of the things that I feel like as a generation we're starting to to do better on is we're starting to talk about what normal is mm -hmm. and like what common is and what normal is. Um, until recently, there wasn't even a discussion to be had of, you know, especially, I mean, everyone with a pelvis, male, female, like everyone can have pelvic floor issues. It happens to be that many women will have more issues like after, you know, surrounding childbirth. Sure. But like people leak sense. all the time. Yeah. Like no. there's a there's a lot of research out there that a lot of power athletes, like a lot of gymnasts, um, even like power lifters that are men, like people leak. A lot. Um, and it's something that, you know, until recently, and it's still, there is still a bit of shame around it. Um, but there was a long period of time where 
there was just um, like nobody talked about it and everybody just kind of quietly managed it. Um, but we think of like the pelvic floor is this, like we have this whole like set of muscles that's supposed to help stabilize us. So our pelvic floor is supposed to be dynamic and supposed to help, you know, manage the load of things. And so it's like first just talking about, okay, what, what are these muscles responsible for? What are they supposed to do? And if these things happen, like it's, it's not normal, but it's common. So like, for instance, I saw people all the time back when I was at my last job and I saw more pelvic health, I'd have Olympic lifters come and be like, I can lift up until this point, And then I start leaking when I get to this point. And mm. so that person, their training is going to look way different than like a woman that just had a baby and like has, you know, coordination issues of the pelvic floor. Um, but I think a lot of it's just like, people need to know what the normal is. And then we need to be able to work towards, okay, what is the actual issue? Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but there's such a wide variety. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. no, and I think that answered it enough for sure. And, you know, I think it's so crazy too, by the way, that, um, you know, like if an athlete blows out his ACL or her ACL, Mm -hmm. you'll get like a 12 month recovery process, right? And Mm -hmm. that's just what it is. You know, we tried to accelerate it and we saw miserable results, right? So like, um, (laughs) So, and, but then when a woman has a baby, like six weeks, no, and you're fine. Like, that's the guidance that you get. It blows, it blows <laughs> yeah. me away. That's what my, that's yeah. the guidance that thankfully my wife went to an incredible pelvic health physical therapist. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure you would have had it no other way. <laughs> which helped, I mean, oh my gosh, like what a, what a, what an incredible resource she was for uh, my wife, both pre, uh, like uh, before having the baby and after the baby and everything in between, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, just insane that like that's a very traumatic process it's something that like happens not like it's you know and built for that right but um it still is a traumatic process and like uh so just say like six weeks and you're good it blows me away and then another thing is uh so there's been two things that i think is really interesting like uh men i think you brought up a good point men have pelvises too and uh thankfully with women who have been incredibly under um Underserved, but then just like under listened to. I don't even know if that's the right word to say, mm-hmm. but like, or like the right way to phrase that, but like have been ignored in certain aspects about like, uh, and that's, I think, has been like super powerful getting the, some of the feedback from being out in the community about this a little bit more. Um, it's crazy to see like what uh, women who are maybe a little bit more advanced in life or perimenopausal are saying about how they wish resources like you um, were around when they're having babies because like they had the same issues, but just nobody listened, right? Uh, which yeah. is super sad. Um, but also, like, I think guys have a really hard time, like, thankfully, like, women talking about these issues amongst each other and then, like, you know, really pushing to the forefront of, like, medical issues and concerns and, like, women rallying around each other. And, like, uh, I think that's really helped progress that forward. Men are still having a hard time with it. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's it's yeah. very interesting, like, and because men have pelvic health issues as well. And, um, sure. but guys have a, it's just not super common for a guy. I, I've never actually had a conversation with a, with a friend of mine or even heard of a conversation like this where a guy walks up like, hey. Does it hurt when you pee? You know, or like, <laughs> hey, when you get done peeing, do you still pee a little bit? Right? Like, that's just not yeah. something that guys talk about. Unfortunately, it should be more normalized <laughs> because, like, a lot of guys can get the help that they didn't even know that they could get. It's insane to me. Yeah, I think that the thing that's like a, a, a I don't want to. It's not a joke necessarily, but it, but it is funny. Like, there's a trend that, for the most part, um, men take a lot longer when they do have a pelvic floor concern. They take a lot. Well, okay. That's not a fair thing to say, but even like once they know what it is, usually it's like they have to work up the, um, 
Courage. We'll call it what courage, it is. Courage, yeah. yeah. Work up the courage to come in. But, you know, something that usually gets them in sooner is if it's affecting their sex life. Mm, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. They're much more likely to come in sooner. Um, but a lot of times, like, it's just the the knowledge that we have a set of muscles down there which a lot of a lot of men still don't aren't, aren't even aware that you have a set of muscles down there they're like oh well i i don't know i guess i just thought there were bones there and nothing else but like we all have the same muscles they're oriented yeah. a little bit differently um and women inherently because our pelvises are less stable we have a tendency to have more issues with those pelvic floor muscles, but men still have like men still struggle with constipation and and leaking mm. and like pain with sex and pain with orgasm or difficulty with those like things. You know, it's like it's we all have the propensity to have the issues, but we all can benefit from knowing what normal is and knowing how to optimize what we have going on. Um, sure. but even like kids, man, I'll never forget when I found out that kids can, can benefit from pelvic health PT too. Right. Like, uh, cause uh -huh. a big thing with constipation with children and how, like a lot of times that's just a pelvic health dysfunction or dysfunction that could yeah. be easily corrected with pelvic health PT. I'm like, what? No way, man. Yeah. That blows me away. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, yeah sure. I think pelvic health physical therapy is incredible. I think that, um, I, you know, what I really think is incredible is, is this, um, this transition into understanding how important communication is, how important our words are, how strong our words are, you know, like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me is the most absurd, absurd <laughs> saying of all time. You, you, Absolutely will heal, like, but those scars and the negative light, mm -hmm. like we won't even use those positive scars that we just talked about. Those scars that are left by negative mm -hmm. comments are, life can be lifelong, you know? Uh, cause like we said earlier, yeah. like, it's tough to unhear things. And in the medical field up until recently, it still happens on a daily basis, but it's getting better. We as healthcare providers have not done a good enough job at empowering our patients with the verbiage that we use to make sure that they can actually have a high functioning lifestyle because guess what? Pain is most likely going to be a part of your life at some point. And guess mm -hmm. what? It's okay right? Like mm -hmm. it's okay. You have the, all the power in the world to get past this, past a painful point. And most, a lot of times you'll get past that faster with a coach in your corner or with a professional in your corner who can help you get there. But you have, but you, if you're going to the wrong person and they hammer away at that issue saying that it's just, oh man, it's because of this, or you have this problem and this, this diagnosis and all these others, I've almost gotten completely away from making a diag or giving a patient a diagnosis because yeah. it doesn't really <laughs> matter. Right. I mean, it does to a degree. Right. But like, does it matter that much if I'm looking at like a patellar tendinopathy or, or a, uh, or like a chondromalacia type issue or no, you treat what you much? see, exactly. you treat what you see and you Deficits. tell them to avoid Google most of the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or tell me what you think. Let me let me interpret Google for you before you make an opinion, right? Yes. Like it's out there. Go get the information, Absolutely. but let me clarify it for you first before you make a judgment call on it. Um, yeah, yeah. This has been a super fun conversation, Delora. Um, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what would be a what would be a, a good way for them to talk with you? Um, so I am. Um... I have an Instagram account. Uh, I have, that's where I do just some of my like free education and stuff. I try to have some stuff cool. on there, scoliosis, public health. That is at laura.g.dpt. Um, I have a website. It's drlauraglazebrook.com. Um, I have information on there. Um, I'm working on a course about optimizing um, pregnancy with scoliosis and spinal fusion. 
So that's going to have curated info on the pelvic floor, how the body changes during pregnancy, how to have a healthy birth prep, postpartum exercises for, you know, scoliosis specific, but also kind of pelvic health. Um, that'll be dropping, I hope in, uh, May. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I love to chat with people. I love to, I mean, I try to keep everything very positive, um, and just remind people that they're strong at their baseline and just knowing how to build up their team and knowing how to optimize, optimize what they, uh, what they can to b- give the best performance they, they can. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Well, Laura, this has been an incredible conversation. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to get on the podcast with me. Um, I look forward to a future conversation with you and, uh, to the field continuously progressing their language about around patient care. I'll cheers to that. Thanks so much, Dr. Jake. Absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about athletes potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.